Welcome to the Cloud Pod, where the forecast is always cloudy. We talk weekly about all things AWS, GCP, and Azure. We are your hosts, Justin, Jonathan, Ryan, and Matthew. Episode 243, recorded for the week of January 10th, 2024. Who is the Cloud Pod? We will never know. Good evening, Matt and Ryan. How's it going? Good, how are you? It's going well. Good, good to hear. Uh, we are missing Jonathan this week, so all of our AI data will be much less impressive uh, mm-hmm. about the British accent. That's how it works. But uh, he's training models. It's a, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> it's a bit of a slow news start, as uh, every January is. Uh, everyone got all their stories out, went on vacation, now they're back, and they're like, yeah, we've got to kick off all the new stuff. And so it's a little slow for news at the moment, but uh, there's still a little bit to talk about, so we will do that. Uh, first up, this is our first sponsorless episode. We, uh, we are between sponsors at the moment. Uh, and this is a great time if you've been thinking about sponsoring the Cloud Pod. Uh, we would love to have you as a sponsor. And you can reach out to us at the show if you'd like to sponsor us and continue to hear us do this craziness uh, for no money because our sponsors just really just cover the bills, <laughs> which is fine. <laughs> uh, and it's a, it's a labor of love that we love to do here. And so you know, if you are looking to sponsor a podcast that is highly targeted at cloud engineers, uh, we are the podcast for you uh, because that's our listeners. And uh, we love them all. And they've all been giving us great feedback on our Slack channel. Uh, talking, telling us about uh, you know how they like this year and uh, what they like to see us do in the future. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, but first up in the news this week, follow up. Broadcom is back in the news, guys, and this time they come after our cloud. Uh oh! So they're apparently ditching most of their VMware cloud service providers as part of their shakeup of the partner program. The VMware Cloud Service Provider program, uh, I thought, would potentially impact AWS, but actually VMware sells AWS's offering. Uh, but this is actually those offerings that Azure, Oracle, Rackspace, and Google all created to basically be uh, alternative options for the VMware on AWS offering. Uh, they apparently are going after uh, you know limiting smaller companies in there. And I was looking at the list on the website, you know, small companies like OVH, whose data center caught on fire last year, for those of you remembering, Paris. Hmm. We'll never forget you. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, really this is them culling more of the smaller cloud players uh, and they say basically they'll be getting a new uh, partner program for only the biggest and most profitable of these VMware cloud service providers. So I don't think it's going to impact Oracle and Rack and uh, Google and Azure, Rackspace maybe, uh, <laughs> and but OVH and some of those others uh, are probably going to be in trouble. And it's sort of ironic because they told the EU that acquiring VMware would increase the competition in the cloud space. Uh, but this does seem to be a way to decrease the consol- and consolidate more of the market under fewer players. So I'm sure that's going to come up next time Broadcom wants to buy somebody. The EU is going to be like, hey, 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 wait a minute now. You fooled us once, you're not going to fool us again. Uh, but uh, you know, this is this is bad if you're on one of those providers that's not going to be part of the program because they only have until March until the program expires. Oh, they really need to give them a lot of notice too. Yeah, I wonder if this is just going to be like new sales or 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 something, because that seems very short notice if you're on VMware as on one of these smaller cloud providers. That seems incredibly risky. Yeah, I feel like they have to have something lined up. Or let me rephrase that. I would assume slash hope they have something lined up, because otherwise they're going to really piss off a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, they got to have some plan for those companies, but, you know, maybe they're not that big and maybe it won't be that big of an issue, but um, I would assume they're gonna. I would assume that you're not just signing a contract to you know for a one year deal. I imagine you sign a multi year deal if you're going to be a cloud service provider making this part of your offering. So it's it's probably like you said new sales. Uh, but you know don't be surprised to hear from your vendor 
that you you know they're going to be making some changes in their infrastructure yeah. soon to move to other VMware uh, competitors. Yeah. I don't know how they do it otherwise unless they looked across their entire like sort of deployment and so these are all DR sites for like <laughs> migrating VMs in case their main site goes down. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Uh, well, another news that kind of was surprising for the week, HPE uh, is buying Juniper Networks in an all-cash deal valued at $14 billion, which will double the HPE networking business. HPE will be paying $40 per share. Uh, the close prior to the announcement was $30.19. Uh, the transaction will apparently strengthen HPE's position as the nexus of accelerating macro AI trends, expanding their total addressable market, and driving further innovation for customers as they help bridge the AI-native and cloud-native worlds, also generating significant value for their shareholders. Uh, Juniper CEO Ram Rahim will lead the combined HPE networking business, and the deal should close late 2024 or early 2025, assuming that they can convince everybody that this isn't making a bigger monopoly that already exists. So, uh, you know, a couple of the articles I said is all about AI. Apparently, Juniper has an AI Mist uh, program, which I love Mist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is uh, apparently the big crown jewel of this, which is. Interesting, because when I go look at the website, all I see is that it powers their AI ops capability and a bunch of their SD-WAN intelligent routing, which I would definitely not call AI, but maybe ML under the badge of AI to make money. I don't know. Yeah, it is pretty funny. I mean, Mist is sort of a a synonym for uh, vaporware, so it's, you know, funny by itself. And then, you know, you read a little deeper into what what it does, you're like, meh. And then it's like, okay, so they're, they're just touting this because they wanted to put AI in the in the news feed and look we're we're ai too we're good we're just because we've been around forever doesn't mean we can't be cool well i mean rami rahim would basically tell you that their multi-year focus on innovative innovative secure ai native solutions has driven juniper network's outstanding performance they've successfully delivered exceptional user experiences and simplified operations and by joining hp i believe they believe or he says i believe we can accelerate the next phase of their journey in addition, this combination it maximizes value for their shareholders through a meaningful all-cash premium. That sounds like AI to me. All-cash mm-hmm. premium. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh-huh. Yeah, nice, nice job selling the company. <laughs> I hope HP like doesn't sort of like torch you know Juniper. I do like their their access system. They were the first sort of big network provider to offer like API-driven interactions with their network gear, and you know overall they've been sort of forefront in in automation space but uh yeah i mean hpe's really been all about aruba which is aruba's you know kind of your big competitor to uh, cisco meraki mm-hmm. so you know they have aruba access points they have uh switches they have sd wan through aruba and the networking system and then they have a bunch of green lake stuff too if you're running their on-premise cloud solution um you know it's sort of funny to me though going to their website and like checking it out because you know they HPE has owned a lot of networking companies over the years um, you know 3com was one that they they bought at one point uh, there's not a single picture of a switch <laughs> on this entire networking website <laughs> kind of makes me sad just a little yeah. bit I mean if you go into I think if you go into actually Aruba switches you finally get a picture of a switch uh, but uh, you know the main main uh, landing page for HPE networking no switches no routers nothing <laughs> just just there. It's all in the cloud, man. You don't need any of that stuff anymore. <laughs> so I just loaded the HPE acquisitions page on Wikipedia. It is long, and I am shocked at how many different companies they've bought in over the years. I mean, 
are you looking at HP or HPE? Because yeah, there's it's no, sort it, of it pulled HP. Yeah, yeah, it automatically pulled HP. So I forgot that they bought Nimble, which was a storage vendor I used years ago. I remember Nimble. Nimble was uh, I know. Uh, it was an interesting company, and there was uh, there was a lot of really interesting. That was their cons- consolation prize, and they missed out on buying three par. I think wasn't that the uh, mm. gist of it? I was on their customer service council when I was because I was their like second uh, sale in the Boston area at the time. Uh, actually, yeah, I, I think yeah. three, I think HP did buy three par. It was Dell who had to go for. Uh, anyways, very complicated. Uh, HP yes. acquires <laughs> three par twenty ten. Yeah. Yep, that's right. You know, funny, I was just looking, you know, they did one, two, three, four, four acquisitions in 2023. A company called Pachyderm, which violates everything about uh, fuzzy animal software for me. I don't, <laughs> I don't buy software named after mammals. Uh, but apparently that's open source reproducible AI software. What could go wrong? And then they, mm. uh, they apparently bought Athonet, a private cellular technology, Access for security, uh, security, Access Security Security Services Edge. Wow, that's a terrible name. Platform and then OpsRamp, which is an IT operations management software, which I've heard of once or twice but never actually used. Um, fascinating. Yeah, I don't know anything about any of those companies. I mean, Pachyderm, it's mammal, it's, it's mm-hmm. no go. It's that's my I rule. thought it was only furry mammals, was the rule. It's mammals in general. I mean, fur, furry creatures is where it starts, but then mammals is kind of the general because I had to cover orca, and that's a that's not fuzzy, uh, so I had to expand it to yeah. mammal because yeah. I can't, I won't buy orca either. Yeah. Um, gotcha. But yeah. So no. I it, so I I started this back in two thousand uh, two thousand one. <laughs> uh, I had Panda Antivirus at a company which none of you have heard of. Who? Uh, no. And it was terrible. I've heard of it. It was terrible and caused a ton of outages. And I said I refuse to buy software named after fuzzy creatures anymore after this. And you know, ironically, it's just kind of those dumb rules that I made. But it's worked out every time. Every time mm-hmm. there's a fuzzy creature software company that comes out that. You know, has software that they want to sell me, and like I don't buy it, they get them going out of business or getting bought, and so I'm just going to stick with this rule for my career as long as I can maintain it. <laughs> Panda is a WatchGuard brand; they still sell sell it. WatchGuard, I haven't wow. heard that brand in forever either. WatchGuard firewalls. It, that was it's another- called Panda Dome Essentials. Mm-hmm. It's their latest one for thirty five dollars. Wow, <laughs> I didn't even know it's still around. I would not buy that. Would yeah. not recommend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's uh, anyways, a little, little tidbit about me. I don't buy, a, uh, so if you're a vendor and you're listening to podcasts saying, Hey, I can sell Justin on software. Yeah. Don't start with me if it's a fuzzy creature or a mammal. So, all right. Well, AI is going great or AI or AI is how ML makes money. Our favorite AI topic of the day. Uh, there's apparently now 12 startups vying to take down the mighty NVIDIA the maker of GPUs for the AI boom. In August, there were only eight startups that had significant funding, and now there are over 12. So clearly, all the VC money has left tech and SaaS and enterprise software and ran right to AI. Uh, I've only heard of three of these companies, so not going well for them in the branding side or the marketing. Uh, and the only, ones, the only reason why I know who one of them is, which is Grok, uh, is because uh, you know that's the same product that uh, X renounced. And so that was kind of uh, people complaining about them stealing someone else's name. Uh, was against Grok. Uh, I have heard of Cerebrus as well, as well, who has $720 million in investment. And uh, I'd also heard of Xtropic, which had $14.1 million. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, a lot of companies I never heard of. Cerebrus, Dmatrix, Etched, Xtropic, Grok, Lightmatter, Maddox, Modular, RainAI, SEMA.AI, Tenstorrent, and TinyCorp. These will all become household names if they all are successful in taking down NVIDIA. 
uh, because <laughs> I was just looking at NVIDIA stock in 2022 before the AI heyday. Uh, their stock was trading at $120. And today it was trading for over $540, <laughs> which is why you now know our, all the investment is going towards AI. Yeah. Could have made a lot of money on, a, on NVIDIA stock. I don't know how I didn't see it. Should have <laughs> bought. And then we talked about it every week. You would think that we would know a little bit more than the average person. <sighs> you would think mm, so. But with the stock market, Pat, no. <laughs> <laughs> You think we'll see trends though, right? Like, hey, I can see a trend coming. Like, no, no, we, we have yet to no. capitalize on our, our intelligence of this. Because uh, you know, we, have, we have real jobs to do. That's, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on to AWS. Uh, AWS accounts are discontinuing the use of security challenge questions starting in January of this year. AWS accounts will no longer support security challenge questions for accounts that have not already enabled them. Uh, this will remove the option completely. Uh, and these are those great questions you get like, hey, where is your, uh, you know, where were you born? Or who is your second grade teacher? And that's not uh, my, who I did. It was whoever created the account second grade teacher. So I don't know who Ryan's second grade teacher is, but he created the account and I cannot get back in. And so they've decided that this is a terrible plot model <laughs> that A, can be socially uh, hacked through phishing attacks, as well as uh, it only works because you have to know Ryan's secret questions and answers to get into your root account. And so I'm glad to see security challenge questions dying a horrible death. And because of their risk of exploitation by phishing and just internet research, I don't answer those sensibly. And so I have, I have algorithms that I apply for different types of questions. So it's I can sort of figure out what I would have answered based off of criteria, but it's not relevant. To the actual question. So it's, <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah, but so, then when you put in five and it randomizes them, and you don't know which of the th- five random answers I put in because I store them all in my password manager to figure it out, I'm screwed. Yeah, no, I mean I, I'm probably locked out of many accounts if I if I lose passwords. <laughs> if I lose my password manager, I'm screwed. Like yeah. I give up. Yeah. Like I might as well just like you know go die because there's no way I could get into anything to prove who I am anymore. Yeah, I would definitely uh, have to do a lot of password resets if I had to lose my password manager. So I, uh, I did make that pivot last year from moving from LastPass after like their seventh hack uh, to one password, which I still don't really 100% love, but I like it enough. <laughs> it's sort of, I don't know if that's a, a glowing endorsement of a password manager if I've ever heard one, but uh, it works out. the opposite. I, I actually really like one password and I've had to use LastPass a few times pre-hack. And I can never figure out how to properly use it. I'm just because I've been using one password for like eight years now. And I love it. Like I made my new company bio. That's good. I mean, like my my complaints are mostly trivial things like, you know, websites that, it, you know, LastPass used to autofill, 1Password won't autofill. Or, you know, when you change your password and you enter it in and it doesn't match what 1Password or what LastPass had, it would say, hey, I just noticed you logged in with a different password. Would you like to save that one too or update? Uh, one password doesn't really do that. You have to tell really? it. Really? You can if you hit save password as you have the new one in, it'll pop up and then you can update. But it's not the workflow that I think of. So by the time I remember, oh, I should update that because I just typed it in. I've already hit enter and I'm off to the. I'm already logged in. So, anyways, I feel uh, well, like mine pops get, up. But when one yeah. password gets hacked, I'll have to figure out what my next password manager is <laughs> going to be. But uh, so far, you know, it's been good enough. I just hope that this, you know, is a move of AWS to to change some of their account like vending that they have like because uh, like managing 
all the various accounts, getting them open, getting them closed is still a nightmare. And I wonder if, if these are tied to any of that backend management or if it's just for security policy. Who knows? <laughs> uh, well, I guess since you just mentioned that, uh, they do have one other announcement this week that also impacts your your account setups. Uh, the AWS Certificate Manager is apparently discontinuing who is lookups for email validated certificates. Uh, starting in June of this year, ACM will no longer send domain validated emails by using Whois Lookup for new email validated certificates that you request. Which, a thank goodness, because yes. for those of us who use privacy, mm-hmm. this was really annoying. Uh, and so, starting in October 2024, ACM will no longer send domain validation emails to mailbox associated with Whois Lookup for renewal of your existing email validated certificates. Uh, however, they will continue to send an email validation to the five common systems addresses for the requested domain which are administrator at domain, hostmaster at domain, postmaster at domain, webmaster at domain, and admin at domain. Now, admin and webmaster, yes, I have not used postmaster or hostmaster in decades. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so apparently that's still a common one, though, but uh, Elvis will send emails to those, which is actually something nice to know uh, if you did not have access to your Whois, you would still get an email to those things, uh, which is at least something. But uh, my, my recommendation for everyone is just boot to DNS. Your life will be easier. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about emails being missed or things going terribly wrong due to email problems. Yeah, when when email was the only option for this, like I had so many problems, you know, because email would get caught in spam filters or, you know, the the 27 people that are on the list for for admin at domain, like one of them would click deny and then the whole thing shuts down. Like it's it's just a nightmare. DNS you can do. Auto auto rotation and it's much cleaner. Yeah, I feel like I didn't really start to use ACM until DNS came out. Like I like the concept of it, but until it had a much better automated workflow <laughs> via DNS, like it just was too complicated and not worth it. Because, like you said, there's too many ways it can go wrong. So, uh, I mean, yeah. that didn't stop me from running as fast as humanly possible to it because the thought yeah. of not having to pay Digicert or one of the other mini ACM vendors out there uh, was too great. So email was fantastic. Mm-hmm. We even created automation to auto-accept the emails. <laughs> I was like, it's <laughs> like, a bummer Jonathan's not here. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan's yeah. not here to talk about it, but he built all of that uh, yeah. you know, at that company and it was, it was awesome. And then I remember uh, the conversation in horror with the uh, with the uh, product manager who was in charge of that, and we told him <laughs> that we that. had you know that we had basically automated with a thing, and he's like, "Well, I assume customers might do that, which is why we never use fancy formatting or anything, you know, HTML based formatting for the email." But he's like, "You really probably shouldn't do that," and we're like, "Yeah, you know." Mm-hmm. He's like, "Yeah, but <laughs> it makes sense that some people would want to automate it based on your scale and volume of certificates." So, it still baffles me that. Azure doesn't have nearly as good of a comparable service to ACM. Like they have it, but it doesn't work as well. Like you can't use it for like all the managed services. Well, I mean, Google had one and then they sold it. So you could have Azure sell theirs off. Well, it wasn't really a, it wasn't an CA product, right? It was domain register. Domains. Yeah. Yeah, it was just domains. I'm I'm just, anytime I can blame Google for selling that (laughs) off, I'm going to, even if it doesn't make sense. So just be prepared. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, um, I'm now I'm curious. Like, does do they have a a certificate store? I can't remember if they do. Google, yeah, for certificate generation. Uh, I think I so. Think, I think they do. I see. ACM a real time fire fire. Google cloud. Mm. 
certificates. This is a great, this is a great podcast audio. Uh, <laughs> certificate manager is what it's called. Yeah, <laughs> Obviously. This is, this is why I can never remember Google services because nothing will ever stick in my brain when they name it like this. Yeah, because they're all obvious names. Like, oh, who would name it Certificate Manager? Well, Google would. That's why. Uh, yeah, it supports uh, ALBs, classic applic- ALBs, regional, external, regional, internal, cross-region, internal, and external proxy network load balancers uh, through their Certificate Manager. So. There you go. I mean, if you didn't have that in this day and age, I think it would be sort of crazy. I mean, apparently Azure, though, doesn't. No, so. Apparently Azure yeah. doesn't, right? Like, I mean, yeah. it's... I mean, you just have to end up building your own or using something like Let's Encrypt, like because there's it's gotten too crazy. Yeah, which customers love when you use Let's Encrypt, oh, especially yeah. banks. <laughs> banks are like, "You did what now?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we're not okay with that. Please don't yeah. do that. Yeah, you can use it. That's actually there's a there's an open source project I've seen where I'm like, can we use Let's Encrypt to put in the key vault? Because like essentially some of the services will just check key vault every four hours to see if there's a new certificate in there, and I'm like can I just move my whole company to Let's Encrypt and not deal with this? But the problem that you just said is the one that's stopping me from doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a com- one comment is that we were doing Let's Encrypt and then if a, if a bank had an issue, we had a form they could fill out through support where we would issue and then bill them for their certificate. Nice. <laughs> so we, mm. And then we would basically just apply that for them. But that was you know, a bit of a pain. But you know, we only had 30 or 40 banks that really cared and then uh, they were very happy to go fill it out and pay us for it. So... Well, AWS is canceling the only true serverless Postgres service that scales to zero. AWS has notified customers of Amazon Aurora Serverless V1 that it will cease supporting the offering at the end of 2024. Of course, uh, they've already released the V2 version for you out there at reInvent a couple years ago. Uh, But of course, it has one major difference. It can't scale to zero. It's also missing lots of other features like replicas, logical replication, and global databases uh, that can support millions of writes per second, which was a new feature announced uh, earlier last year. Uh, so yeah, a little sad about this one because I do like the idea of a database that scales to zero. The latency on startup, though, I imagine was a bit problematic for most people. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. you know, at least I like the idea of having this option. So now, if you were paying zero before, your minimum starting place for a V2 Postgres database is going to be fifty dollars a month, uh, and that's assuming you're not using replicas or any of those things yet. So uh, keep that in mind. Uh, you will be getting notification if you're using this, uh, most likely from AWS, multiple times this year telling you it's time to move. Uh, yeah. And if you have a long, lengthy development cycle or anything you need to do special for this, uh, make sure you get your change management processes working today. I can, I can attest to the, the notifications because for all of my like sort of internal development that I've done, I usually, this is where I start for, for any kind of database that's, you know, going to be Postgres or uh, related. And so, like, there's several of mine that are like this. And I kind of really wish they were sort of keeping this as its own thing versus sort of spinning it off into V2 with all the replication, because I don't really want any of those features. I just want the scale to zero <laughs> so that I can continue to use this for development purposes. Frustrating. But they make less money. On it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> Have I interest you in, in you know? Can I interest you in a little simple DB, Ryan? Because that one they just <laughs> they don't seem to kill forever. So I'll just go back to using Excel spreadsheets and comma separated values for everything. Yeah, I mean you could just you, you just move to uh, you know something that stores this data into uh, S3, <laughs> just yeah. an S3 database, or you know DNS yeah. is a great da- uh, database yeah, per uh, Corey Quinn. So you know Route yeah. 53 mm-hmm. could be your uh, your database of choice. Yeah, just shove it in. If I didn't have such a hatred of Athena. Use that. I thought you were going to say DNS. <laughs> I mean, everyone has a hatred of DNS, but that's, <laughs> right. 
is born out of many scars caused by DNS. So, yeah, but DNS is sort of this weird thing because, um, like I, I kind of run into this at the day job quite a bit, actually, which is sort of funny is that I'll be in this conversation like, yeah, we do this massive migration and we have to go reset all this metadata. And I'm like, just move the DNS. And they're like, what? Like, yeah, just, just, you're creating a new thing. You're going to move that thing to this thing. Just point the DNS, move the DNS with it. You don't have to do any, any metadata work. And they're like, I, I guess that would work. Like, how is that not your first choice? That's my first choice in all solutions, DNS. Yeah. <laughs> so, it was one of the things I always used to tell people don't put the direct RDS or whatever your database name is in front of it. Always C name to your database. That way, if you need to ever cut over, it mm. just flipped the DNS. You don't need to redeploy your app. So, or you might have stale data or whatever for a few seconds, but like you're done. You don't need to redeploy everything. It's amazing how many people don't think about that minors thing. Yeah. And it's, it, I, I just don't think it's, I think they think it's a network magic. And it's like, no, no, DNS is not that magical. Like it, it's a very simple directory service. You have to think about it as a directory service. Like if you had, you know, if you were moving to a new phone, would you move the number or would you get a new one every time? It's like, oh, I move the number. Then why aren't you moving the number? That's the DNS entry. <laughs> so just make it happen. That's a great explanation. Yep, exactly. You're welcome. I'm good at analogies. It's an executive thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not at your executive level yet. Uh, someday, man. Someday you'll be there. Um, uh, I'm okay not right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, say, say where you're at as long as you can. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> moving on to uh, Azure. <laughs> Because uh, GCP has nothing. Sorry. No GCP. Uh, Azure uh, only had one thing I thought I should probably share with you because you save money. So if you are using Azure Spring Apps because you like to burn a lot of Java money on top of Microsoft, <laughs> uh, you can now it's eligible for the savings plan, uh, which will save you between 20% for a one-year commitment and 47% for a three-year commitment compared to the pay-as-you-go pricing for the Azure Spring Apps uh, for all of you running your Azure Spring Boot Java solutions. I mean, I, I like the fact that they have like sort of a, a, a spring app sort of like sort of abstraction. So it's kind of a neat little thing. If you, if you have to have a spring app and which if you do, you're probably already invested in the, the entire framework and then all the patterns that come along with it. So kind of neat. And then, uh, yeah, you never want to touch that code again, which you have already basically said by it still being a spring in the spring framework. So savings plans. Perfect. Yeah. I like great. It. I don't ever want to mess with that again. Uh, you know, I think one of the one of the things I you know I love Red Monk's coverage on uh, programming languages they use and you know popularity and they they kind of track over time, you know what's coming and going. We were sort of laughing because we were sharing uh, tech book collections earlier with some friends, <laughs> and uh, you know he was like, you know, I have Closure in my in my library, and you know he was mentioning some other programming languages that are archaic as well, uh, and you know it's always sort of fun to see. You know, Java always kind of the top right of that. <laughs> but I'm like, you know, it'd be really nice if you guys broke it down into like Spring or other libraries. Cause that's actually my more interesting question to me is like, is Spring as popular as it seems? Cause it's not the one I would have chosen, but it's the one that everyone seemed to choose. <laughs> so I'm not entirely mm-hmm. sure. I, bet, I wish they broke that down. Yeah, it is kind of crazy that it's, you know, cause Java is the language and this and Spring is the framework, right? But it's yep. still Java. It's like it's whole. It's a whole thing. Like, and it's very confusing. And since I didn't start learning Java or learn coding at using Java, like I've just never really understood it fully. Like, I know it's a thing. I know. <laughs> I know what it does. I know I don't want to use it. <laughs> I also then feel like people are going to be like, "Well, you should do the same for like Python or any of the other major languages," which at that point, 
I mean, I feel like you need a more specific argument. Yeah, you know, I mean, Python has you know a similar one for like you can say that Django is a, a you know web serving framework for Python. Yeah, you're not allowed to talk about Django ever again. Please don't. <laughs> It sounds that sounds many, like there's a story behind that. <laughs> I have many stories about that. That that's what I got. Mm-hmm. There's one other Django one that's Ed Python. Yeah. Uh yeah, there's one other one too that's like kind of up there around the Django side. It's an Flask. e-commerce Flask. Yeah, that one's there. But there's another one uh, for e-commerce that is also on my list of like please don't ever talk to me about that again. Uh cuz I never ever, Oh, may, uh, it's a uh, such as an M, I think. Uh Oh, or, Magento. Mag- oh, Magento. Uh, thank you. Yes. Yeah. That yeah, was fun. That was, uh, that was one of my first projects was chef deployments using OpsWorks to get Magento operational scale on AWS <laughs> way back when, when OpsWorks was the way to scale. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Hard pass. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I help my uh, my buddy with his e-commerce website, and if he ever mentions Magento, I'm gonna have to just like drive to his house and smack him. Like, no, we're not doing Magento. <laughs> Anything with that. <laughs> uh, anyways, all right. Well, that is it for another fantastic week here in the cloud. Hopefully, uh, oh, actually, I know already because uh, we're recording a little later than we normally do, and we see a little preview of what's next week. We have lots of new stories next week uh, to tantalize the new year for you all of you. So we'll see you here next week on the Cloud Pod for a, a much longer episode. Although Matt, I hear, will be missing next week. So uh, it'll be Jonathan, Ryan, and I, hopefully, if we can get everyone to herd <laughs> the cats into the podcast recording room, we'll be good to go. So <laughs> we'll see you guys all next week. Yeah. Justin, that's your job. <laughs> good day, everyone. Bye, everybody. And that is The Week in Cloud. Check out our website, the home of the Cloud Pod, where you can join our newsletter, Slack team, send feedback, or ask questions at thecloudpod.net, or tweet us with the hashtag poundthecloudpod. Pound the Cloud Pod.